listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right, welcome back everyone to the fourth episode of The Hand Cell. Four weeks in a row, can't believe we're here. Uh, I'm the podcast producer and host, Mick Kowalski, joined again by my co-host. Maddie Gobo, events manager. And we are both joined once again by our guest for this episode, our very special guest. Uh, Sydney Lopez, bookseller at Skylight Books. Hi, Sydney. Howdy, y'all. Uh, well, we've got another really great episode in store for you today, but before we get to that, there's been a bit of news uh, about the state of businesses in the state of California. Um, do you want to talk to us about that and how it impacts Skylight? Yes. So yesterday, uh, that was Wednesday, May 6th. Um, Eric Garcetti issued orders that uh, certain retail businesses can start reopening for curbside pickup um, this weekend. Uh, And among those businesses, he included bookstores. Um, So a lot of you are probably wondering if Skylight's going to be open this weekend. Uh, I will tell you right now, we are not going to be open this weekend. We probably will not be open next week either. It's going to take us a little while. Um, so if you're kind of anxiously awaiting, you know, the day our doors reopen, just be patient because we need to do a lot of things in order to ensure that our staff are well taken care of. That's our number one priority. Um, so once we start thinking about reopening, we're going to first have to rearrange the store um, so that staff don't come into contact with each other. We're going to have to come up with a good curbside pickup procedure. Um, And we're going to also have to do a lot of kind of back-end maintenance of our inventory because things are really out of whack right now with all of our kind of direct-to-home ordering that we've been doing for the past month and a half. Um, So all that is to say um, we are doing our best to get back on our feet um, so that you can come and get your books from us again as before. But we're not going to rush it um, because we do really want to make sure that we're doing this safely. Um, and uh, we also want you to stay safe. So 
Um, just please be patient. We'll post any updates uh, as they happen on our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so just keep following those and uh, likely we'll have another update from Mary on next week's Hansel episode with uh, more details. So stay tuned for that. Um, and I'd like to sort of think about this in a larger context. Um, it is interesting that Garcetti and Newsom both chose bookstores by name as um, one of the retail businesses that were allowed to be opened this weekend. And I think it has a lot to do with a certain campaign that's been going on uh, in the publishing industry and um, specifically in a special issue of Publishers Weekly, um, which is the Books Are Essential campaign. And the reason I bring this up is because it, that campaign is the focus of this week's conversation, um, which Sydney posted. Um, Sydney, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so I saw the publisher's weekly uh, piece. It was a pretty short piece um, and a similar piece in the New York Times. Um, and I thought it was a pretty interesting take on, um, on books and bookstores during you know, the time of COVID-19. Um, and I had a lot of feelings about it and I wanted to um, have conversations with booksellers at different bookstores, independent bookstores in LA. Um, so I reached out to some friends I have at Roman's Bookstore in Pasadena, and we just got together to, um, you know, discuss what it means when people say bookstores um, are essential businesses, um, and sort of, um, what's the word? Um, I, I can't think of it, um, but sort of what happens when people conflate the essential nature of books with you know, essentializing a business um, during a pandemic and the health risks that uh, can pose and the way we value specific um, people working um, in this time. And I really learned a lot from Joseph and Sarah. Um, and I was really fortunate to be a part of that conversation. Uh, with that said, um, what we discussed are, of course, our own views. Um, they are not reflective necessarily of um, the views of Skylight Books or Roman's bookstore. Um, so yeah, when you listen to the conversation, I would just advise you remember that it's, you know, the opinions of three booksellers. We're known to have a lot of them. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. And if you have any thoughts, tweet us, DM us, owl post, whatever works. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I guess we can get to, I think, less terribly important and serious things. Uh, namely, what are you guys reading lately? I just finished uh, a first novel called Vagablond by Anna Ooh. Dorn. Um, it's out on Unnamed Press in May, I, th I think today, yesterday, two days ago. Um, <laughs> very fresh, very fresh take. Uh, fantastic LA novel. So crispy, um, very hip. It's about uh, a woman who is becoming dissatisfied with her career as kind of a bedroom lawyer um, and who decides to take the leap into becoming a rap artist. Um, and she gets kind of, involved, yeah, she gets involved with this crew of true LA weirdos um, and her life swiftly spirals out of control. Uh, the writing is so sharp and funny. Um, it did remind me a lot of both Otessa Moshfeg and um, Anne Goretta's novel Sphinx, if you guys have mm -hmm. read that. Um, mm -hmm. 
really just great like contemporary LA writing. Um, if, so, you know, if you're a fan of Vanderpump Rules or uh, Real Housewives, you will love this book. Um, it's also very smart, I should say. It's not just delicious trash. It's also <laughs> quite, quite deep. Um, and we're actually doing a virtual event with Anna Dorn on uh, May 23rd. So we hope to see you all there. Heck yeah. Sid, what about you? Um, I am reading On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous, little book by Ocean Vuong. Don't know if y'all have heard of it. Um, <laughs> it's actually one of the biggest events we ever had at Skylight. Um, and he, listening to him speak was a lovely experience. And um, yeah, I finally got around to actually reading my copy and it's taken me like a day. And I, of course, I'm just like floored. Um, it's exceptional. So good. Pretty sad to read during quarantine. You know, there's some moments, but um, it's it's really good. I highly recommend it. Speaking of really big uh, events in the store, I want to do a little plug for the Sally Rooney event that we had for normal mm. people, yes. which I don't know if you guys have heard. It's been turned into a little bit of a, a show. Is it on Hulu? Is it a it's Hulu on Hulu. Show? Hulu show, baby. So go and check that out if you're Sponsored interested by in that. Sponsored by Hulu. Just kidding, we're not. Hulu has given us no money. <laughs> I wish. Can we get oh, some of that? We're open get... to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, we had a we had a huge event. Um, were you were you directing events at that time, Maddie? No, that was before my time. Okay. Yeah, it was a massive event with Sally Rooney. Who, I was uh, on the floor for that event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty so good. Check out the podcast. Um, we have the audio of it available. Um, as a podcast, and you'll be able to find a link to it via social media shortly. So, sweet. Sounds and what good. are you reading? What are you reading, Mickey? And then uh, I'm I've almost finished with the Last Samurai. I'm still working on it. Still working on it. Uh, <laughs> big book. Almost there. Yeah, I'm like 80 pages left. It's not just like big. It's just like very dense. Like and just trying to absorb all the information is a lot. So I, at <laughs> Since I'm like seeing the finish line, I've started reading Yajasi's uh, newest book. I got the galley. Um, it's Transcendent Kingdom. And uh, if I like it half as much as I liked Homegoing, I will be having a blast. So might do a little book recommendation for that later on this episode. We'll see. We'll see. Cool. That yeah. sounds great. I'll keep my eye out for it when it comes out. Or you can loan me the galley either way. I'll, I'll give you the galley. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> give you the galley, Sid. We're friends. We can do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Sid, we'll hear from you later on. And aye, aye. Enjoy the rest of the, of the show, folks. Thank you, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Mick again. <laughs> Here with a book recommendation. Uh, I know I just talked about how I was reading Yajasi's uh, upcoming book, Transcendent Kingdom, which I believe is out in July. Um, so you can't get that, but let me tell you, I'm not very far, but I highly recommend pre-ordering it. Uh, but the book I want to recommend to you today, the one that you can order now, is her debut novel, uh, Homegoing. It's one of the best books I've read in the past few years. Um, tells the tale of two sisters uh, born in Ghana, one of whom gets uh, sold to a, a slaver. The other one stays in Ghana, and it tracks each sister's lineage 
through time. Um, so each chapter is devoted to a descendant of one of the sisters. It's, I gotta tell you, I like couldn't put it down. I had to actually consciously uh, separate my reading sessions into bite-sized chunks so I could experience the novel when I want. I didn't want to run out uh, immediately. So um, if you can order uh, Homegoing from uh, your nearest indie bookstore, um, you will not be disappointed, I can tell you that. Now, I'm going to send it to Sydney for the main event. Enjoy that. Hi, guys. Welcome back to The Hand Cell. Uh, Sydney here, bookseller at Skylight Books. Today I'm joined by Joseph O'Con, a bookseller at uh, Roman's Bookstore. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. And Sarah Stringer, another bookseller from Roman's Bookstore. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? Told you. <laughs> as, as good as be better than ever. <laughs> super, super great here in my blanket fort. Yeah, excellent blanket fort and excellent. Yeah, I love it. I love it all. <laughs> um, so I was hoping to have a conversation. With, I mean, obviously, um, booksellers and independent bookstores are being profoundly impacted by uh, COVID nineteen and the closure of stores as a social distancing and public health measure. Um, and there's been a lot of conversation around um, books and their role in culture um, at this specific moment in time. And a couple of weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, um, Publishers Weekly um, posted this bit um, that was sort of a spin-off or a riff off of the Barnes and Noble CEO saying that um, the industry will be able to survive if uh, books are deemed essential. And I had a lot of thoughts when I first heard that. Um, you know, so the idea that businesses can weather COVID-19 by, by deeming books essential, do you agree, disagree, have any, you know, initial reactions that you felt strongly about? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm oh, I can jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my first thought is that I just don't really care yeah. about whether bookstores can weather COVID-19 by deeming books essential, because it's not really, to my mind, the question that should be asked about this moment, um, which is not to say that I think all bookstores should close or whatever, but only to point out that like asking whether bookstores, whether bookstores should uh, be deemed essential and so therefore, like there are so many questions that are unasked in that question, like who is going to be putting their health at risk to staff these bookstores? Um, who are these bookstores going to be selling to? Like there's a, a whole underside to saying like, oh, we need to save this industry. Mm -hmm. So let's just go back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that one of the things that this moment has like really made clear is that in every business, even a small business like an independent bookstore, the burden of labor is, is 
unevenly distributed. And there are people who are always going to be more at risk and people who can say like the CEO of Barnes and Noble, well, let's just open them all up again because that guy's not going into work. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter to him. He's just going to see the profits on the other side. Yeah. Um, but like the people who actually are going to be selling those books, whether it's, you know, curbside pickup or like actually having folks come into stores, whatever it may be, like those are the people who are going to get sick. And as we've seen from every other essential business, people die. Like they're basically saying like, well, the book industry is worth booksellers, warehouse workers dying. Mm -hmm. So that what? Like CEOs can like have a little bit of extra money off the top. Like it's uh it's unconvincing to me because it's not going to benefit everybody it's going to benefit the people who are don't have to go to work and get to make more money anyway mm -hmm. like it doesn't benefit a bookseller to make minimum wage and die yeah no yeah i think uh i i really agree when you say that it's the wrong question to be asking i feel like that's a really good way to put it because it's exactly that it's it's a really dangerous framework because it frames it in such a way that we have to make a choice between uh, like, it's like this false divide, like books or no books. And it's like, that's not the question. That's not what we're proposing. And like you said, the real question is, is like books at what expense, you know? Yeah. And like, I similarly agree. Like I don't, I love bookstores. I do not think they should be closed. I'm not like, woo, close bookstores. I just think that, um, it's dangerous and I think I think the most dangerous thing to me and also the thing that um, gets under my skin the most is um, the sort of conflation of like deeming books essential and books as essential to culture and I know that's like maybe doesn't make a, a ton of sense when I say it out loud but it's like of course books are essential to culture and conversation I don't think anyone's arguing against that but I feel like the people that are advocating for this are trying to be like, books are so essential. We can't give up books. But it's like, no, they are essential. But deeming them essential in, at this moment in history and time is very dangerous. You know, and to sort of conflate the two is just extremely irresponsible. Well, it's not even saying that books are essential. It's saying that the book industry is, is essential. Yeah. That's what they're saying. They're not saying that books are essential. They're saying like, oh, having... Uh, making money off of the sale of books yeah. should be an essential service. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's, an, like, like you said, there's a conflation happening mm -hmm. where something that a lot of people can agree on, which is that books are important and we like books. That's why we work in this industry, mm -hmm. is allowing people to make the argument that they should be allowed to run a business yeah. uh, whenever they want, which is a totally different argument. Yeah. Like how are books actually essential in like, in this moment where people are you know like are they no yeah it's not food it's not medicine you know yeah it's fine but that's getting lost like you said in this slippage from like books are essential to like let me stay open right now yeah uh what do you think sarah i mean i definitely agree with what both of you were saying those were points I'd bring up. Um, initially, I thought it was pointless and totally reckless and irresponsible to even bring that up and start a stupid hashtag for it. Yeah. Forgive me, but... Um, and it also detracts from actual, like, essential businesses and essential workers, of which mm -hmm. I know many. I live with two of them. Um, I, I mean, you know, I definitely wouldn't feel comfortable 
going in the work if I was asked to, but nobody's asking actual book workers or sellers about yeah. Them, yeah. Um, how it would impact them. Because um, they don't care because it's, yeah, it's just about making a profit, um, you know, mm-hmm. just like it was before. And I definitely don't like, you know, it makes me itchy to think that there's this push to go back to operating these businesses like they were before because, you know, there's huge, huge issues there um, that, I mean, I would hope now can be addressed in some way. And it's not even books, like the physical material object that are essential, right? It's the ideas or it's the exchange of ideas or it's a community gathering space right? And you don't really need the object to be able to do that. Also, you know, why not just do like PDFs or whatever else, eBooks, things like that, if you, you know, really want to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I've read some, sorry, I'm getting everywhere, but I've read some stuff where book sales are actually up in the last two months Mm -hmm. because everyone's stuck at home and there's been such a push uh, to read books as a way to pass your time. Um, so I don't, you know, they're fine. They have ways around it. And it's just already, you know, hard to find anything about how the workers at the warehouses are being affected by it. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to look up some stuff about, you know, Ingram and I, I couldn't find anything other than, you know, some general statement about how they're, you know, proceeding safely and following all the, all the measures, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, yeah, it just irritates me um, that it's, it's just people who write about books or review books and not, you know, the actual workers. Yeah. Sales. Um, I can't find anything at all about that Mm -hmm. other than, you know, just like union busting or massive layoffs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh no, go ahead, Joseph. I was just going to say, I mean, the other thing, and this is something that, that you were bringing up, Sarah, which is like, the book industry is actually not closed. Um, like, mm-hmm. Ingram warehouse workers are shipping mm-hmm. books all over the country. Yeah. And independent bookstores are making money off of those sales. They're not making as much money as they would make if they were shipping books directly uh, from the store because they get different discounts. But um, there's already so much uh, erasure about like what the conditions for this industry are. Mm-hmm. That to even ask like, well, you know, we need to like, can we reopen, you know, the book industry? is already ignoring all of the ways in which the book industry is is already open and and selling stuff i mean um it makes it seem like they really shut the whole thing down which is just like not the truth like there are still people who are going to work uh they're just not people who i think the book industry considers part of the book industry and that's warehouse workers i mean the book industry as it is wouldn't exist without warehouse workers it's impossible to imagine we like as a business we depend on them and so like to act as if they're not part of that industry because they're not a bookseller or like working in a bookstore for a publishing company 
is to ignore like like basically what like how this industry actually operates which is by like outsourcing like the most uh like physical labor outside of the industry and then acting like the only people in the industry are like publishers and like independent bookstore ceos yeah i mean i think there's a definite um division of of labor that you know sort of intentionally hides like the more unsavory aspects like like exactly like you said like the industry itself is not completely shut down there's these workarounds that are dependent on people that are invisible regardless of covid you know um and um i i read a you, I believe it was you that sent me a, a really interesting Twitter thread. So their name's Meredith Hanlon. Yeah, and they're on Twitter at, at Meredethcore. So M-E-R-E Deathcore. That is wonderful. Um, but yeah, they are a bookseller and poet from the Bay Area. Well, that that uh, living in the Bay Area now. But yeah, anyways. Um, there was something that that stood out to me. Um, they they said, um, what is it? Sorry. It's, they referred to the publishing and book selling and, and books. I'm kind of conflating them all right now for the sake of simplicity, but they said it um, is an insidious industry that encourages the mentality of selflessness for dead paper. And that really stuck with me because, um, you know, there's like those, those layers of sacrifice that um, workers at various levels in um, the industry are sort of implicitly asked to make you know and it's like um you know a lot of booksellers make minimum wage and don't have health care and are capped at you know 29 or whatever hours so that they don't have 30 and are not you know required to be given health care and it's sort of like you know we're almost asked to like martyr ourselves in the name of this like public good that is bookselling that are bookstores that are you know bookstores are this space for the community they're this space for ideas but as you and sarah very clearly outlined there are alternative models you know there are ways to create community there are ways to share ideas that don't depend on invisible and dangerous labor um and i don't know when when they said that when meredith said that that uh that really stood out to me as as a really um I mean, it's clear they're a poet because that's a really beautiful way of putting it, but I really enjoyed that. I mean, the only thing I would say is that I think you are right to point out that this is something that predates COVID. Um, and that this I, part of the reason I think that uh, the publisher Publishers Weekly article and some of the other writing that's been coming out of the industry about how essential books are uh, rubs us all the wrong way is because it reminds us of the ways that we've already been asked to make you know, uh, how we've already been it, like the asked to make, you know, quote unquote sacrifices for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, like, like you said, before it was like books are essential. It was like, books are a community good. Like you should be grateful to work in this industry. Mm-hmm. Like therefore do work for free or work for minimum wage or work part-time with, you know, it's like you said. So it's like, this is also not new to COVID. It's something that 
was a problem in the industry before because the industry has depended on this type of labor for a long time and, and has justified using this type of labor with the same reasons that are now coming out specifically to justify putting people in even more danger right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think it's, um, it's something that's kind of like unfortunately specific to small independent businesses across the board is that um, the, the, the precarity of, of a small business can always be used to like deny workers <laughs> like basic rights and, and more livable wages um, because it's like, you know, exactly like you should be fortunate to work in this space that affords you access to X, Y, and Z, whether it's cultural capital or, you know, like being around books and, and, and sort of this like romanticized idea of like, you know, what book selling is. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just essentially, I lost my train a lot, tiny bit there, but this idea that we um, as booksellers should revel more in like, the the culture of bookstores and before and be grateful for that as opposed to like asking for like material tangible benefits i suppose um but yeah i mean that's <laughs> that's a much larger conversation but i think that's why um when you brought those tweets to my attention both of you and then i saw this publisher's weekly thing and i saw the piece in the new york times it was just is very much these, you know, arbiters of culture from on up high being like, we must be noble and books must be essential. And it's kind of like, yeah, but who's actually going to carry on this work that makes you feel so good about yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was frustrating. And um, yeah, I, you, you two were the first people that I <laughs> wanted to get thoughts from because I feel like you guys always have really great things to say um, on these kinds of topics. So I appreciate it. No, I definitely appreciate having, you know, the forum for this because there's not really much of one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it totally is frustrating and enraging that there's this like perception that book selling and independent bookstores are noble and virtuous and you know uh when they just i don't know they operate like any other like corporate business for the most part and they can get away with it because you know of how the public perceives them and how we're told to feel about books yeah no but so, yeah so when things come out like that um it's just totally tone deaf and totally pointless Mm -hmm. uh, that I just kind of don't even really care what they have to say anymore. Um, yeah. I'm just wondering where like this alleged leverage is now. Mm -hmm. uh, like what can we do with this now that not necessarily these certain practices or whatever um, weren't exposed before. I just think it's probably maybe more people are looking now. Mm -hmm. uh, so what can we do with that moving forward? Do you know what I mean? So I don't really care about the business or the property or the material objects or anything like that, but what can we do um, as workers to move forward to, you know, better protect ourselves and our communities? Uh, yeah. You know, to make them actually like live up the stores. Make, uh, uh, sorry, um, make sure they live up to that, you know, responsibility and are held accountable.
because you know you sort of just at this point kind of <laughs> operate with impunity like nobody's calling them out mm-hmm. um because it is yeah there's there's no real like safety net or mechanism in place um and it's hard because i mean there obviously is a truth to the idea that you know we've entered this industry and we've become booksellers because at the baseline books are important to us they're meaningful we think this is a worthwhile endeavor and it would be nice to be encouraged to make this a more livable reality for the people who sell books, it would be nice for us to be solution oriented and work together. And, you know, booksellers really are the lifeblood of, <laughs> of bookstores. And um, they're, I think they're like a pretty important link in, in that chain from author to, to reader, you know, and I think recognition of that and, and valuing the bookseller and, and valuing the people um, who are more invisible, the people in the warehouses, you know, at Ingram, sending our books from Oregon or Tennessee or wherever, um, you know, how to voice to, you know, it's a lot like a restaurant. You've got your front of house, you've got your back of house. People don't really think about the back of house and, and then you have your managerial class and it's a whole different thing. But, um, it's, to me, it's really similar to this whole, uh, this whole, um, essential workers are heroes hashtag, campaign going on where it's like they're amazing they're they're doing their jobs and they're risking their lives for doing their jobs but they shouldn't have to be and if if they are and that's their decision then you know why aren't why aren't they making a wage that reflects that um and i think we're just totally missing the point entirely when we just sort of um turn all these people into heroes instead of just seeing them as human beings that have needs and deserve not to die for needing a job and having to pay their rent and bills like the rest of us. Pay them more. Yeah. Um, I don't know, regulate the hours a little more. It, I don't know, it's just something people can say or apply a hashtag to to feel better about themselves without actually doing anything to help is, anyone ever. That's my issue. With is virtue washing a thing? Is that a phrase that's ever been used? <laughs> virtue wash virtue washing like like whitewashing or greenwashing (laughs) i like it yeah we'll just call it virtue washing like thanks to all our heroes but we're not really gonna take care of you (laughs) what were you doing before like especially working in retail or customer service people are incredibly rude Mm -hmm. and entitled to your time because you're paid to be there and it's not enough for the you know conditions i work under the people uh, have to deal with um, you know, there's nobody paying me for that emotional label. And in fact, they totally take advantage of it. You can do in, in any type of service industry. Um, so what, what is everybody going to be like when, if ever things start to reopen? Cause I doubt they'll, they'll carry that mentality into it. Um, you know, and people are still terrible now in the midst of this. I'm here. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I don't think anybody stopped being awful to service workers just because they, on Twitter they're saying that they're like, thank you to everybody who's working so I can, you know, yeah. whatever, buy groceries. That's exactly the thing. Like, I don't know, donate to a fund. Like, shut up. You're not doing anything. Well, I think that's about what we have time for today. 
Um, but I really appreciate you both for, um, you know, having this conversation and for all your ideas. You guys are wonderful. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, stay safe. I appreciate you both so much. Thanks, Sydney. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Definitely. Of course. All right. Talk soon. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.